Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. What He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, folk, it's true that we uh, know what Christianity is all about, but I think that the saddest thing is to uh, go and pray for somebody who is about to die and they have so many regrets that they've not accomplished anything in their life. And so we know that, that there are certain things we're supposed to be doing, and there are certain things that we're not supposed to be doing. And that's normal, because you know, we need to do what is right and what Christianity prescribes as followers of Jesus, and we need to uh, not do what we're not supposed to do as followers of Jesus. We know that we've been justified by his, his death on the cross. We know that we live a life of, of sanctification on a daily basis. We know that one day when we die, we will be with him. But what, what does that mean uh, in November 2022? Well, a couple of points. The first one, revelation. Revelation. And folk, the, the Greek word for revelation, here he starts, here he goes. Uh, the Greek word for revelation uh, is the word apocalypsis, which means uh, to unveil. That last book of the, of the New Testament, uh, this book, Revelation, means to unveil what has been unveiled to you and to me. And so uh, Paul writes and he says uh, in the last 11 chapters, this is who you are in Christ. That little word in is so powerful because before we were ex, now we are in. And what does he mean now that uh, we are in Christ? What are we? Well, friends, those who don't know Jesus Christ, who are ex-Christ, as in out of Christ, the, the, the lid of the pot has not been opened to them. And they cannot see the ingredients of the pot, if you like. That word revelation. In other words, they don't know who Jesus Christ is. They might know about him, but they don't know him personally. And so Paul writes, and he says in chapter 4, verse 1, that these are all the blessings of what it means to be in Christ, that we're justified by faith, that we have peace with God, chapter 5, verse 1, that uh, we are made righteous, chapter 5, verse 12, that we are dead to sin and raised to a new life, chapter 6, verse 1. That we are set free from sin and misery and are able to follow the Spirit. Chapter 7, verse 1. That there is no condemnation. Chapter 8, verse 1. For those who are in Christ Jesus. That uh, we're free not to walk after the flesh but after the Spirit. In chapter 8, verse 5. That we are our sons and daughters and heirs of God. That uh, we have a glorious future hope. It might not be fantastic on this earth, but there's an amazing future hope. That there's a glorious future and that, that our prayers are heard. Wow. Sometimes you feel, oh, it's not happening. And, and you know, it's only going as far as the roof. No, our prayers are heard according to chapter 8 verse 26. 
chapter 8, verse 28, uh, that God works everything for our ultimate good. I don't fully grasp it now, perhaps, but I know that it's going to be good, ultimately, because he has a plan and a purpose. That, that, you know, there's no charges that are laid against us in chapter 8. And carries on in verse 37 of chapter 8 that we are conquerors. In fact, uh, more than conquerors, that, that we are uh, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Those are awesome privileges. And folk, we have this revelation and we can see inside it. You've heard me tell the story if Maria makes this big pot of soup. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. That's why you look the way you do. And I agree with you. And, and I ask her, what's inside? What are the ingredients? She says, lift the lid. Take the lid off. Well, friends, spiritually, God has taken the lid off for you and for me who belong to Jesus Christ. And we can see all these amazing blessings. Before it was all drudgery. Now we are blessed. And the least we can do is respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he fills us, he fills us so we can overflow into one another's lives and into our community. And what has he, he done? He says, because of God's mercy. So he's withheld what we actually right deserve. And that's judgment. Because we're rebellious. And, but he's withheld that. It's called mercy. But he's even gone even further and given us grace. Given us something we don't deserve. In other words, mercy, he's withheld what we do deserve. Grace, giving us what we don't deserve. And that's what Paul is saying uh, to us. Uh, as individuals and as a church, we've been blessed uh, according to God's mercy. And he urges us to live this out on a daily basis. Because the reason for that filling is the overflow here among one another's lives, but also as we exit the parking uh, to, to, be, to be holy men and women for him. Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verse 2, uh, you know, as early as the Old Testament, you know, after God gives them the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, he reminds them that be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And, and in fact, uh, in that very same chapter, he, he says the same thing seven times. Why? Because I am your Lord. Who are we? We're followers of Jesus. What do we do? We live lives that are holy. We live lives that are characterized by holiness. And that's, that means other, to be, to be different. Why? Because God is holy. If you're following somebody else but Jesus Christ, then you live like the one you're following. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you realize that, that you know, it's been revealed to us who Jesus Christ is. And the outcome of that is a life of holiness. Revelation. Secondly, there is presentation. In, in verse 1, he says that, that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, folk, uh, in, in English language, apparently this is called an oxymoron. Oxymoron. So, living sacrifice uh, doesn't make sense. Oxymoron. It does not make, it's like a foolish saying, in other words. Uh, but, but Paul explains that to us uh, because, uh, you know, at the time, uh, there was this Greek thinking that, that the body and the spirit are separate. And, and we, we say some of it today, you know, love the sinner but hate their sin. How do you separate the two? Come here, son, let me beat the sin out of you. 
we don't do that. How do you love the sin and hate the sin? There's got to be that transformation, you know, but it, before transformation comes presentation. We need to come and present our lives before him. And that word uh, present in the Greek means to come alongside, to come alongside. In other words, the spirit and the body are together. And how do we allow that spirit to carry out what is right through the body? Now, there's another word, the word flesh, and that's in conflict with the spirit. But through what the spirit does within us, so the body will carry it out. And yes, there is tension. Don Francisco sings the song, there's a war within my heart and it's tearing me apart. A war between two kingdoms and two masters. One of them must win, the other must give in. Jesus must be Lord of all. And so with that uh, coming before him, we present uh, our lives before him. So uh, we can't justify kind of the, our, our, the way we live because uh, it's because of this and because of that. No, we are, we are presenting our lives before God. If, if you were to think of your life as a, as a house, uh, the house of or the, your temple, and the spirit dwells within it. Uh, uh, you know, we have a home, and there's one home uh, where we put a lot of junk in. So when people come to visit, then we don't open that room <laughs> because all the junk is in there. We hide it, you know. Uh, my mom's coming next month, and so uh, it'll be cleaned out pretty uh, pronto before she arrives. But, you know, there's some things that we don't reveal to others. But when Christ comes in, then it's got to be cleaned we can't have some hidden things. And as we present Jesus Christ to the world, it's because we have been impacted. We've been filled to overflow onto those we come into contact with. And so what are the things that we're taking in? What, what movies are we watching? What, what um, culture are we living in? Because, you know, he, he says here that, that we must be careful that we don't become exactly the same as the world. And that's quite easy. That's quite easy because everybody's doing it. And we don't want to be the odd one out. But folk, at the time of Jesus, he was the odd one out. Praise God, we don't need to go to a cross or they won't nail us to a cross. But you know, we've got to stand up because of who we are filled with. Who are we? We're followers of Jesus. We present our lives before him. And, and we are to be holy holy. And, and over and over again, uh, because when we present our lives, uh, he says, so we can live a life that is holy and pleasing to God. That word holy uh, has a double meaning. It's the Greek word agios, which means holy. It also means a saint. You cannot separate a saint, uh, that title of saint, and the word holy. And so you're a saint if you live a holy life. And because you live a holy life, you're a saint but also pleasing to God. What brings him honor? What is acceptable before God? And that's what God wants us to become and to become even more. Who are we? Who are we as individuals? Who are we as Lakeside? We, we are to be characterized as holy men and women of God. And so uh, there's a negative side to that because we can begin to justify uh, you know, what we do uh, because of our past or, or because of what we're going through at the moment. But who are we? Are we transformed? Are we changed? Uh, you know, have, have, has Christ revealed himself to you and to me? Because if that is the case, yes, and we're all on a journey, but there's a, to be a journey of holiness. And so be careful how you live your life. 
Paul would say to us, you know, because there's certain things that we are not supposed to be doing and saying, and there's certain things that we are supposed to be doing and saying uh, because who we are filled with. And so revelation, who Jesus Christ is, also presentation, but then once we know that we've come before him and presented our lives, there is transformation. Transformation. Uh, in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And friends, there's some powerful words here that, that can make us uh, realize whether we are changing or not. Because uh, th- there is this, this whole idea of don't conform. And that word conform uh, is the Greek word sischematizo, where we probably get the English word systematized. But it's got a picture of a dressmaker who cuts out a pattern. And so what Paul is saying, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be cut out to the pattern of this world, because when they look at you, you are to be different. What does that mean? Well, holiness. Holiness doesn't mean a certain hairstyle or a certain way of dressing. No, it, 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 there's a characterization of holiness. Uh, and what is that? Well, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Singular, all of us are to have all that fruit. And that shows that we've brought our whole life and presented it to him, and it begins to transform us and change us. So we don't get transformed. Uh, I was just thinking while preparing this that uh, I'm so grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ because um, my... You would have heard me say this before. My dad was a violent alcoholic and used to beat the living Dalits out of mom and, and us. And God, you know, I was, uh, thank God I'm not heading in the same direction. But God could have easily allowed us to, to, do, to become like that. Um, but he came and, and spoke to, to my heart. Or he, he changed me, please God. And I've been transformed. Still on a journey. Uh, He's transformed me. And I'm just thinking that, without sounding silly, I'm a history maker. I'm a history maker. Because what I live and demonstrate to my son will not be that I beat his mother up and beat him up. And you and I, folk, can be history makers the way we conduct ourselves. And we can change uh, Because we've been changed, we can change those lives that we come into contact with. We don't have to be another statistic. We don't have to be another number. But we are transformed. And so there's a renewing, there's a change that becomes present in our lives. And we're history makers. One day my son will stand up and say, Dad never beat us up. He kicked us. No. (laughs) Dad never used to beat us up. Because if I want him to respect his mother, I need to respect his mother. One day when I want him to respect his, his wife, I need to set that, that pattern now. I need to be a history maker for him. So he follows what I do. Is there pressure? Absolutely, all the time. All the time. And folk, 
by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we try and we continue uh, to do our best. And so he says, don't be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed. How? Through the renewing of our minds, through the transformation of our minds. I read the story. um, It's it's an amazing experiment. They put a whole lot of caterpillars uh, in a circle on the top of a uh, flower pot. And they joined them all in a circle like this. And they carried on going in a circle until they starved to death and just died. But there was food right in that flower pot. But because they, they were conforming to the pattern of just going in a circle, not one of them didn't think, hey, there's food down here. Why? Because they just carried on and on and on going in a circle. The pattern of this world. But here we are called to be transformed through the renewing of our minds. Uh, You know, there's some beautiful words that the word um, transformed is is where we get the English word metamorphosis. It's the Greek word metamorphosis. (laughs) Sound similar? Metamorphosis. You know, we're transformed. We become different. There's there's something that takes place. And folk, it's not not a a noun. It's a verb. It means to change into another form, to transform, to transfigure, to change. Uh, In fact, four times in the New Testament, this word comes up. And it's all in the context uh, of changing. Remember twice Jesus got transfigured in in Matthew 17 and in Mark chapter 9. Uh, But then there's this transformation uh, in, in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, but also in 2 Corinthians. 3.18, being transformed into his likeness, into his likeness. In other words, the things that we say and do, do they reflect Jesus Christ? That's who we are as individuals and as a church. And how do we, does that happen? Through the renewing of our minds. That word renewing, it's uh, anakinosis, the, the word kinosis means to be moved, but ana means above, to, to, to move above who we are now. And there's a transformation, a complete change for the better because our minds are in the right place. And why is that? No, because one day I decided I'm going to be a good person. No, because the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us and he takes us and he changes us. He invades who I am, and the old needs to go, and the new comes and settles within, and it renews my mind, my nous. Greek word there, nous, nous. And he renews the faculties of perceiving and understanding what is right and wrong. That's what Christ does through this transformation. He changes who I am. Then what happens? Well, after he's revealed who he is, After I present my life before him, there's this transformation. And then we begin to have realization. Realization. Uh, To to do the will of God. The plan and the purpose of God. To to do the things that are pleasing to God. And folks, Paul calls it good and pleasing. The word good there is not good as in aesthetically good. That's kalos, aesthetically presentable and good for the eye. But it's the word agathos, which means morally and God good. Morally and God good. And so when Christ comes in, the junk goes, we are transformed, there's a renewal of the mind, and we become godly men and women and followers of Christ. That's who we are. 
That's who we are. And so, uh, you know, he comes and he takes over who we are. And he begins to transform me and change me. And he begins to, to allow me to have the desires of Christianity and godliness and holiness. Christianity that, that represents Jesus Christ in the world. And folks, this, you know, it's not, okay, on, on a Monday to Saturday, uh, the, the flesh and the, and the body's operating. Oh, Sunday, we better turn the spirit on. No, it's on a daily basis. It's on a daily basis. The way I drive during the week, uh, the, the way I, you know, I'm not an embarrassment. Uh, the way uh, I, when somebody turns in front of me, do I show the right or the wrong fingers, or do I wave, you know, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of because I've been renewed. Do I do, I do the things that Christ would have me do? Uh, you know, the, the way I'm living my life, does it characterize who Jesus Christ is? Because I begin to realize by the presence of his Holy Spirit that I need to reflect who Jesus Christ is. And that starts off with him revealing who he is to me. And there's this good place I can be in. When I'm doing things and, and I'm not feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when I'm doing the wrong things and I don't have that conviction, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And it's to come back to him over and over and over again. Over time, I believe as we journey together as a community of believers here at Lakeside, it should be that we are encouraging people and one another on this journey of holiness, this journey of, of being like Christ, of doing things that will honor Him. The word glory means to make Jesus famous. To make Jesus famous. It's a Christian word, doxa. It's uniquely Christian. It's to allow Jesus Christ to penetrate us, to invade us, so we make his name and his name alone famous. Let me read your story. Years ago, I was enthralled as I listened to a pastor who for several years had faithfully served the church. His executive responsibilities had taken him all over the country. As he concluded his message, he told of one of the most frightening yet thought-provoking experiences in his life. He had been on a long flight. The first warning of the approaching problem came when the sign of the aeroplane flashed on, fasten your seatbelts. Then after a while, a calm voice said, we shall not be serving the beverages at this time as we are expecting a little turbulence. Please be sure your seatbelt is fastened. As he looked around the aircraft, it became obvious that many of the passengers were becoming apprehensive. Later, the voice of the announcer said, We are so sorry that we are unable to serve the meal at this time. The turbulence is still ahead of us. And then the storm broke. The ominous cracks of thunder could be heard even above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the darkening skies, and within moments, that great plane was like a cork tossed around on a celestial ocean. One moment, the airplane was lifted on terrific currents of air. The next, it dropped as it were about to crash. 
The pastor confessed that he shared the discomfort and fear of those around him. He said, as I looked around the plane, I could see that nearly all the passengers were upset and alarmed. Some were praying. The future seemed ominous and, and many were wondering if they would make it through the storm. And then I suddenly saw a girl to whom the storm meant nothing. She had tucked her feet beneath her as she sat on her seat and was reading a book. Everything within her small world was calm and orderly. Sometimes she closed her eyes, then she would read again, then she would straighten her legs, but worry and fear were not in her world. When the plane was being buffeted by the terrible storms, when it lurched this way, this way and that, as it rose and fell with frightening severity, when all the adults were scared half to death, that marvelous child was completely composed and unafraid. The minister could hardly believe his eyes. It was not surprising, therefore, that when the plane finally reached its destination and all the passengers were hurrying to disembark, the, he lingered to speak to the girl whom he had watched for such a long time. Having commented about the storm and behavior of the plane, he asked why she had not been afraid. The sweet child replied, Sir, my dad is the pilot and he is taking me home. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our pilot and he is taking us home. Who are we? We're followers of Christ. He's revealed himself to us. We come willfully and present our lives before him. As we do that, he comes and takes us and transforms us and renews us so we can do what's pleasing to him, his plan and purpose for our lives. In that next slide, you'll see, as we leave this place, as we leave this place, Here's what we are to do. God helping us. Take our everyday ordinary life, our sleeping, our eating, our going to work, our walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Presentation. Embracing what God does for us is the best thing that we could do for Him. We don't want to become so well adjusted to our culture that we fit into it without even thinking. Instead, we want to fix our attention on God. We'll be changed from the inside out. We'll readily, readily recognize what He wants from us and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around us, always dragging us down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and out of me and develops well-formed, mature men and women and followers of Jesus Christ here at Lakeside. Our Father is taking us home. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you've revealed yourself to us. By your grace and by your mercy, we come before you. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We cannot fathom that, but we are so grateful for that. And Lord, as we long to serve you in body and in spirit, we pray you'll come and, and Lord, invade our lives 
so you become king that is so worthy of honor, praise, and glory. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. We have failed many times, but you've forgiven us. Lord, you've taken our guilt and you've given us grace. And for that, we're so grateful. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.